of the Architecture and Design Network, which includes Architecture and Design Online, the Architecture and Design Newsletter, and Architecture and Design Print Magazine. For more information, go to www.architectureanddesign.com.au. Hello everybody and welcome to Talking Architecture and Design. I'm Jared Reading, the uh, Assistant Editor of the Publication. And today I am here with One Design Office Director, Samson Teal, and Riverlee Development Director, David Lee. Gentlemen, how are we? Good, thanks for having us, Jared. Doing well, Jared, no thank you. At all. No worries at all. Thank you very much for, uh, for coming on. Uh, today, obviously, we are mainly going to talk about uh, seafarers and obviously the one hotel development, but before we sort of get into the nitty-gritty of that, I was wondering if I could just sort of get a general background of the both of you, how have you both sort of developed uh, your careers to this point, obviously one as a property developer and the other as a uh, as an interior designer. So, if without further ado, somebody wants to go first. Samson, do you want to start? Yeah, happy to. Um... So I, I came from a background of construction and architecture. I studied in Melbourne Uni uh, for six years. Uh, but through, through my education, I was always really intrigued with the act of making and crafting. So I exposed myself to a lot of uh, fabrication techniques, uh, carpentry techniques. I even did a stint uh, with a carpenter doing fixing on site, just so that I was aware of how to put things together. And that hands-on experience plus the education experience really gave me that interest and passion alongside the, tool, the tools that, I'm, that I have in pursuing this career in architecture and design. So uh, in 2014, after, doing, uh, after working at a few other firms in Melbourne, I decided that it was time to set up a practice. And that was, wow, eight years ago now. So... Um, started off with participating in a design competition, which we won, and the rest is kind of history. Like, yeah, that's that's a really quick snapshot, I suppose, Jared. That was sensational. David, what about yourself, mate? Uh, so I have a development director role at Riverly. Riverly is a family business, uh, property development, commercial asset management. Uh, it's a family business. Dad, Clement, started it 30 years ago. Uh, we've all come into the business subsequently over the last 10 to 15 years. I've been in the business for 10 years now. Um, I guess as developers, we love urban renewal, urban regeneration. We focus on really tricky, challenging sites, things with character, things with stories. Seafarers is a great one because of its location on the river, the wharf, the heritage, all the complexities that come with it. Uh, and just it, it opens up opportunities for real urban regeneration. So as developers, uh, we're based in Melbourne. We just we love challenging and intricate sites that we can weave those stories into it. And that's why we get to work with fascinating people like Samson on projects like this. That's sensational. So um, if you could sort of give me a bit of a background in terms of previous projects that you guys have done, obviously, you know, we talk about these historic sites sort of steeped in you know, history and, you know, very, very ingrained in their building environment. Um, what have you guys done previously that, that, that you're quite proud of? Uh, I'll start off if that's all right. Uh, so from the Riverly standpoint, uh, anything complex, challenging heritage we look at, we finished a project in Richmond that we're quite proud of, Jacques Richmond, which was an old rock-crushing factory. 
Uh, that one we developed over 10 years, really great result. We actually partnered with the same architects for Seafarers, Fender Catsalidis. Uh, up in the north of Melbourne, we're developing an old quarry and landfill site. Uh, and we've regenerated that into what will be 2,000 homes, a healthcare knowledge precinct. Uh, we're just reimagining what these old troubled contaminated sites could be. Uh, even down in Tassie, we, we work on a precinct scale. So in Hobart, Tasmania, uh, we've got a partnership with the Museum of Old and New Art Mona, and we've developed a multi-venue live music precinct with a couple of restaurants. Uh, we're building a hotel, maybe an office building soon. We're in planning. Um, and yeah, an array of F&B hospitality options for live music, live events. Uh, and yeah, it sort of doesn't really have a finite end date. We just keep going. So yeah, precincts. Um, and anything with a bit of urban regeneration to it. That, that's what we've we focused on, and a few others across across Melbourne, but I won't go through everything. Absolutely, no worries. Um, Samson, obviously, One Design Office, or ODO and Riverlee have been collaborating since 2014. How did that come about, and obviously, um, sort of what projects have you guys worked on up to this point? Yeah, so I'll start with the second question, what, what we've done up to this point, and I think the message is uh, becoming a bit clearer eight years into practice, but we'd like to think that we specialise in the special, <laughs> and we don't really have a particular typology that um, we hone in on, but you know, if there's an interesting brief, if there's a, if there's a very good purpose behind the project, um, you know, it, it really motivates us and energises us to jump on and, and cling on to particular visions. Um, so Seafarers, uh, when we found out about it, was uh, a project that really appealed to us and we really wanted to be part of it. And it was actually a stone's throw away from, in fact, just down the river where we had completed uh, uh, an urban activation project uh, for another developer where um, it was a riverside setting and we were just so inspired by how many stories and I guess the richness of the Yarra River and how we could work with that. So when Seafarers came about, you know, it was a phone call to David to say, look, we, we really want to be part of this and um, yeah, and we're included as part of that, that uh, selection process. It was a design competition. It was pretty fierce. I reckon there were eight or nine designers in there. I will say Odeo was one of the wilder cards in there because they were a smaller studio at the time. Um, but from my perspective, Samson, Odeo had great exposure to hospitality and more on a finer grain scale. And I think hospitality, the art of it is the art of servicing people. Um, and that's what hotels are. And Absolutely. yeah, it was a real standout when, when they submitted, they presented not just to us, but to our hotel partners in the US, which is the SH Group, um, yes. which is One Hotels, which is, you know, sustainable luxury. I, I don't think we've explained too much about that yet. Uh, yeah, it was just a real standout. Their fine grain approach to hospitality, bringing that to the sustainable luxury scale of one hotel in Melbourne. Uh, mm. Yeah, it impressed the team. So that's why they've won the job. Brilliant. So obviously you guys have worked together for something like eight years. Obviously, Sam, you picked up the phone and said, oh, we, we would love to do it. Um, does having that relationship, you know, make for a really, really collaborative project? I think so. Like you know, I I I've known David from I don't know the halls of high school really, um, where we bumped into each other from time to time, and then then we were in the same university as well, and so we would we would also bump into each other from time to time, and 
um, it was when I guess the practice started that you know the, I remember there was a lunch that we were at and just sort of sharing our journey and what, where, where we went ahead and you know that that was really uh, what kicked off our professional relationship together and it started small you know we would start looking at renovations or um, site projects or residential projects um, or even just you know a peer review of a design and it's through that those little exercises that we just build up that rapport and that trust uh, and that understanding of you know uh, our individual cultures and how how we could work with each other and yeah. so it was a very natural um, progression when when we were engaged for seafarers that you know we could write off all that uh, pre-existing understanding and alignment. So yeah, there's a natural rapport. Samson and I, we've known each other for decades now, and that relationship's gone to our design director and our design teams within Riverly. So yeah, it, it's a really it's a really good relationship we have. It's very collaborative when you're designing hotels because there's a lot of opinions, um, a lot oh, of yes. rework, <laughs> a lot of a lot of need to rework after opinions come to the table. Uh, mm. So yeah, it, very collaborative journey designing hotels. Brilliant. All right. Well, speaking of hotels, let's talk seafarers. Okay. So, David, what were the initial processes in terms of site acquisition, working with Fender Catalytis, and, and sort of everything in between? We bought the site from government. So, it was a state owned parcel on the river. It's actually, I think it still is the last undeveloped waterfront site in the city of Melbourne. So, it's on the north bank of the river. Uh, it was originally envisioned for hospitality, it was an old heritage shed. Um, I think about 10 to 12 groups would have submitted on the site, but we were ultimately successful. I think it was our approach to the urban regeneration of the precinct. So as part of the repurposing of the heritage shed, there was also an old heritage crane, the Malcolm Moore crane, which is the oldest, uh, I think it was the first electric crane in Melbourne. Now it's the last remaining after we've refurbished it. We integrated all of that wow. into not just a mixed-use development, but also we committed to building a 3,500 square meter public park for the precinct. So not just our project, but that's a public park that we'll be designing and delivering for the city of Melbourne. Um, so I think that really strengthened our submission to government. So we bought it from government in the leasehold we got in 2012. Uh, we subsequently purchased the freehold in 2015. Um, and now we're in 2022. So yeah, it's been a 10 year journey. Uh, FK has been a great partner of ours architecturally. Uh, we designed the ground floor function center hospitality experience in the shed. So that will be restaurants, cafe, bar, a few little retail areas that we'll program with, I think, a florist and a couple of other goodies. On top, levels two and three and plus, we've got a few floors of amenity, fitness center, full service spa treatments, pool, pool and gym. Uh, we've got the floors above, which is the 280-key luxury hotel, which is luxury sustainable hotel of one hotel. Uh, and then we've got 110-odd apartments above, which are actually hotel branded. Mm. Uh, so Seafarers, which is one hotel and homes, it's actually not just the apartments of Seafarers. This is the first international hotel branded residential offering in the market. Uh, so, yeah, re really quite unique. There's also an 800-seater function center on the ground floor as well. That's, that's within the shed uh, enclosure. Yeah, you don't get many opportunities to do large-scale function centers, event centers, on the river, in the city, that don't 
have the encumbrances of columns piercing through it. So we've actually done a lot of structural gymnastics to push all the columns outside of. So we actually have a free span good shed that will become really a tier one function center in the city of Melbourne, which uh, I think that sort of scale of events venue is lacking in the city. Other than the actual options of, you know, the convention center and the like, but real characterful venues like a good shed, uh, weaving in the interiors of one hotel and audio will really make it quite unique. From memory, there was a lot of adaptive reuse for that good shed. Uh, from memory, what have you guys aimed to preserve from the site? Obviously, I assume it's a fair portion, but can you just sort of give me a brief run through? Well, the the, the biggest part is the actual retention of the shed itself and the recon, you know, reconstruction of elements. So that's that's going to be preserved. But during demolition, we actually went through a process of cataloging the timbers that were coming out of uh, the shed particularly you know, the Oregon beams that were uh, part of the, the roof structure. And we've actually uh, worked out a way to use that as light wall linings or furniture items to weave its, back, weave its way back into the, into the project. Most interestingly, we actually found uh, with the marine piers which are in the water or partially submerged in the water, we found this amazing timber that had been bored through by teredo worms or marine worms and they actually ate through the timber, so it created this perforated timber which we could use throughout the project. Uh, this has now yeah. found its way through to signage, to you know, particular art pieces as well, and yeah, you, you actually see it scattered through the entire project. Yeah, our project manager at Riverley took one of the pieces of these wharf timbers into, I think he was living in Geelong, and he, he took it to a shed and cut a section out of it, and it's, it's an amazing honeycomb-like piece that they've cut out of the out of the wharf timber so we're going to reuse that for i'm not sure custom lighting um wayfinding just the the idea and the dna of one hotel is all about reuse reuse of in, reuse of industrial materials giving products a second life and heroing it within the hotel so the wharf timbers that was a great story timber purlins um just anything we found on the site the bluestone rocks that were the pavers we're reusing anything and everything we can to upcycle them into the hotel design. Uh, not so everything's not everything structural, so some will make their way into furniture design and lighting. Um, but yeah, it, it's just great to weave those stories in. Stories are a real way to connect with the visitors and guests of the hotels that will be there in the future. It's honestly incredible the fact that obviously you guys, you know, obviously the timber had been chewed through. While people do adaptively reuse, people would typically discard that, irrespective of what they, you know, irrespective if they were still trying to adaptively reuse so many different things. Like that, that blows my mind. But um, Samson, obviously we spoke about the relationship that you and David both have, uh, but why were you so keen to sort of put your touch on the project? Well, it was a wild guess when uh, I, I, I caught up with David and we guessed that one hotel uh, might have been included as, or might have been shortlisted as the hotel brand. Uh, we had previous exposures to one hotel uh, on another site, and once we were exposed to SH Group, which is the group behind one hotel, we were just blown away by how 
the purpose and the mission that they were led by. Uh, One Hotel is a mission-driven or mission-led hotel. Uh, it's a sustainable hotel, and there's an element of luxury to it as well. And that was something that we believed was the best of all worlds. Um, just because it was sustainable, it doesn't mean that you had you had to have subpar experiences. In fact, through one hotel, you could have really the best of both worlds, and we that was really appealing to us. Talking more specifically about interiors, um, just sort of the beginning. Let's talk initial sort of beginnings. So, was there a brief? Did ODO work with Fender Catalytics? Was there a blank canvas? Obviously, David, you mentioned that everybody's got an opinion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, walk me through those initial process. So the design brief, I'm not sure. I, I can't recall exactly what was in the design brief, but I reckon it was really just the one hotel ethos and DNA of what they stand for as a brand, sustainable luxury, uh, just luxury experiences just with less. Uh, Samson, I'm not sure if you can remember exactly what was in the brief, because I certainly don't. No, it was definitely an extraction of values and missions that we turned into tangible spatial experiences. Um, so understanding you know, the material palette that they were looking for, the narratives that they were looking for. Um, and I think for us, it was just this idea or this understanding that it is a highly urban site, uh, but th there is this amazing opportunity for this site to be an escape from the urban jungle. So, uh, or the urban, I guess the concrete jungle, if you like. So really this project was our opportunity to have this transformative experience where someone would arrive from this concrete jungle in Melbourne's CBD and be transported into this urban oasis. And that was something that you know, we were really interested to uh, see realized. Specifically around the brief though, I, I, I'd say the amazing thing about working with Rivoli is that the brief continues to evolve, um, even right now. Um, and that's really their ethos and their commitment and passion to perfect projects. Uh, a lot of developers that we've come uh, across in the past takes on a very checkbox approach to completing a project. So it's very, it's very sequential, it's very linear, and there's very little test and breaking. But with Rivoli, there's all, it's, it's a very organic, uh, I'd like to see it as a bit of a networked process where you know, there, is a, there is a voice for everyone. There, all, all opinions are actually considered because they're truly driven by meritocracy and they want to actually create the best possible outcome. So the brief is evolving and the design continues to evolve as well, working towards this idea of perfection. Brilliant. So you said initially that that brief was almost like an expansion of um, SH Group's uh, values. Um, how, how did you take that and you know, what did you create off the back of that, obviously, um, in terms of uh, the design and, uh, of the interiors? Yeah, I think that the paradigm shift when we approached One Hotel was this idea that luxury didn't, ha didn't have to be gold-plated taps or uh, marble-clad surfaces or very refined finishes, which was obviously hurting the environment and also hurting the pocket at the same time. There were all these, there were all these issues with procuring very high-grade uh, rare finishes. Uh, whether it's logistical challenges, environmental challenges, and whatnot. Um, so that, that paradigm shift of just understanding 
that we could work with found objects or in fact there was a requirement to work with materials within you know a certain uh, distance radius from uh, Australia those were sort of parameters that we really welcomed and we took on board to create a palette uh, which could respond to their values so what we ended up uh, proposing was a couple of room designs and a public space design uh, just as an initial ideas dump uh, for Rivoli and SH's consideration. The, the spaces were filled with uh, timber finishes, with uh, a lot of greenery within, within um, the hotel rooms. Uh, ideas of biophilia, whether it's through sounds or finishes or through just elements of wellness, made its way into our proposal. And, mm. you know, consciously or subconsciously, these were elements of alignment between the design outcomes and also the values of SH and the objectives of Rivoli. So one hotel, um, although they have a very strong mission-driven brand, so they, they see themselves as the most sustainable hotel brand in the world and of the luxury grade, all of their hotels are different. So I think what one design office was able to do in taking their mission-driven design ethos and interpreting that on not just a Melbourne context, but a seafarer's context. That was quite amazing. So using the local materials, uh, naturally found objects that you'd find not just in the area, but on the site itself. Uh, it, it, was really, it was really quite great how they'd taken the concept of one hotel and put it in a seafarer's in Melbourne context. That, that I think, impressed not just us, but um, the actual decision makers of one hotel. And just, just so you all know, who is behind One Hotel is a man by the name of Barry Sternlich. Barry is the founder of the original Starwood Hotels and Resorts group, uh, which is now owned by Marriott. He was personally behind the W brand. So W, when he created it, was a new brand, but it went on to become the best boutique hotel brand in the world. Uh, he subsequently sold off the group, and a few years later, he came back and started a new hotel, but he didn't want to do one that was just another hotel brand. He wanted to do something that was a bit, a bit more of a, a transformational change in the industry. Hotels are traditionally consumers, big consumers of waste, producers of waste. Sorry, consumers and producers of waste, and he just wanted to reverse that trend. So one hotel was his way of sort of creating a new non-hotel and reversing that trend. Um, and I think one hotel in Samson in particular has really been able to capture that ethos and deliver really an extraordinary result that we'll all see at One Hotel Melbourne. Beautiful. So obviously, Samson, you spoke initially of the fact that, you know, a lot of um, elements from the city, from obviously immediate context, very lot, lots of timber, lots of greenery, obviously, you know, rather contemporary in some sense. How has that evolved? Has it evolved? Well, I think the initial vision <clears throat> laid down the foundations to our approach, but there's been so much richness through the process where we discover particular makers or we discover particular providers of um, you know, trades or craftspeople who would really layer upon that vision. So we've been exposed to, for example, companies or, or craftspeople who actually repurpose collapsed trees within the city of Melbourne. And mm. that's going to make its way uh, into the project. We have worked with providers of um, recycled timbers which, who actually repurpose 
uh, wharf timbers from all across Australia. Those wharf timbers are going to make its way into the project as well. And that extends to you know, artists, um, florists, uh, tapest tapestry uh, weavers. It, it really is, a, I guess, a congregation of these craftspeople and uh, artists that all come together to, to layer upon that initial vision. Those stories are also important because it doesn't just stop at the interior design or the specifications. If you ever have the luxury or benefits of, of staying in a one hotel across the globe, the staff, the guest managers themselves, they really believe and they, they really commit to these stories of what the design ethos was behind the hotel, the artwork, where the furniture was made and procured from, who made it, what tree it fell from and where it fell. Um, yeah, just if you have the opportunity to spend time with any of the guest managers or concierges at, at these hotels, they really, they really wrap themselves around these stories. It, uh, it's a great way to connect themselves with the guests also. Last question, where are we at with Seafarers currently and, and, and what's coming up next? Under construction, uh, our builder partner is Icon and they're doing a great job. They're in ground and we are scheduled to complete around the middle of 2024, I think the last update we got was on track for August 2024. So in under two years time, we'll be planning for the launch of the new One Hotel Melbourne and welcoming our first residents into the project also, which is very exciting. It's a project that us in architecture and design are watching with great interest. So um, I actually walked past the site a couple of weeks ago when I was on holiday in Melbourne. I was like, wow, there it is. I wrote about it. So um, I, I cannot wait to see what it, what, it, what it becomes. And obviously, hopefully, when it opens, I'll be able to pop in. But guys, I really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for coming in. Very, very uh, appreciative of that. Uh, I know you guys have got busy days. But um, given it's a Friday, have a sensational afternoon and weekend. And, uh, and we'll speak soon. You too. Thanks, Jared. It's been a pleasure, Jared. Thank you part of the Architecture and Design Network, which includes Architecture and Design Online, the Architecture and Design Newsletter, and Architecture and Design Print Magazine. For more information, go to www.architectureanddesign.com.au.